I have found out beat news in depth for you. Good evening and welcome to the August edition of Outbeat News In-Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, it's been an amazing summer. There have been so many fun events happening all around the Bay Area, from prides and festivals to this year's Gay Wine Weekend, which happened to be in mid-July. Now, this annual event has become one of Tony's and my favorites, and if you've never attended yourself, you've missed out. But you're in luck tonight because Out in the Vineyard founder and host of Gay Wine Weekend, Gary Saperstein, is here to talk about the history of Gay Wine Weekend and to share how much money they raised this year for Face to Face. And speaking of Face to Face and great events, Art for Life's coming up in just a couple of weeks. Megan Murphy from Face to Face is also here tonight to talk about how they are going to use all of the money they received from this year's Gay Wine Weekend and to share some details about Art for Life. It's all coming up next right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, August 27th, 2017. I have found Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. This is Greg Morale with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of August 27th, 2017. The BBC reports Liz McKean, the British reporter famed for investigating anti-LGBT persecution in Russia, has died at the age of 52. She died last week from a stroke. She was among the first to report on the brutality against LGBT people, especially gay men in Russia, with her 2014 documentary, Hunted. In it, she explained how anti-gay groups were using hookup apps to lure gay and bisexual men to apartments and other locations where they were attacked reportedly the same way the government authorities in the Russian Republic of Chechnya are now hunting down gay and bisexual men. She told a BBC interviewer at that time, quote, there's a hunting season and gay men are to be hunted. Anti-gay groups such as the one calling itself Occupy Pedophilia see, quote, no difference at all between a homosexual and a pedophile. Hunted was one of the winners of the Grierson British Documentary Award in 2014 and 2015. UK's LGBT group Stonewall named McKean journalist of the decade. And here in the U.S., CNN reports Sam Clovis, Donald Trump's pick for chief scientist for the Department of Agriculture, has argued that homosexuality is a choice and that sanctioning of same-sex marriage could lead to the legalization of pedophilia. Clovis made those comments between 2012 and 2014 in his capacity as a talk radio host political activist, and briefly as a candidate for the United States Senate in Iowa. His nomination has drawn criticism from Senate Democrats who argue his lack of scientific background makes him unqualified for the USDA post overseeing science. Clovis has repeatedly argued that the science on homosexuality is unsettled and that, quote, LGBT behavior is a choice. The American Psychological Association said that while there's no scientific consensus on the causes of sexual orientation, most people experience little or no sense of choice about their sexual orientation. And the leader of a New Mexico military-style Christian sect is facing dozens of child abuse charges in a case that authorities say is connected to widespread abuse by the religious commune. Peter Green of the Aggressive Christianity Missions Training Corps in the remote community of Fence Lake, faces 100 counts of criminal sexual penetration of a child, according to a criminal complaint filed on August 15th. SEC members Deborah Green, Joshua Green, and Stacy Miller also face various charges, ranging from child abuse, bribery, and not reporting a birth. 
KOA TV reports that all four were arrested last Sunday. Sheriff Tony Mace told the station that his office began investigating the group last year after two members claimed they had escaped the commune in a sparsely populated area of mostly ranch land. Those who escaped told deputies that Deborah Green and Stacy Miller allowed Miller's 12-year-old son to die of the flu in 2014. In a statement, the group said that the allegations are, quote, totally false and similar to others the group has faced over the years. And here in the Bay Area, 49ers coach Katie Sowers came out as a lesbian during an interview with Out Sports. Sowers is now the first openly LGBT coach in the NFL's history. She told Out Sports, quote, No matter what you do in life, one of the most important things is to be true to who you are. There are so many people who identify as LGBT in the NFL, but they don't feel comfortable being out in public about their sexual orientation. The more we can create an environment that welcomes all types of people, no matter their race, gender, sexual orientation, or religion, the more we can help ease the pain and burden that so many carry every day, end quote. For a calendar of LGBT news and events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. And for all the latest LGBT news headlines we're following, go to our website at OutBeatNews.com. For KRCB's OutBeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. OutBeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. Okay, let's get into tonight's discussion. Uh, last month, Tony and I had a chance to attend Gay Wine Weekends. It's, it's become one of our favorite events to go to. And we attended the recovery brunch for the first time. And one of the things that really struck me about that brunch was how much money was raised mm-hmm. uh, for face-to-face. Most of the people going to this event are not from the immediate area. Uh, and I was struck by just the generosity uh, after people told some stories, some local stories, but these are people from outside the area, all over the country, who were cutting some pretty fat checks. And that that amounted to a very large donation uh, that Out in the Vineyard was able to give to Face to Face, which is just fantastic. So we're going to talk about all of that tonight. So I have Gary Saperstein, who is the founder, one of the founders of Out in the Vineyard and host of the annual Gay Wine Weekend. Gary, welcome. Hello, hello. And also, I should mention, host of his own radio show in Sonoma, out in the Vineyard Radio. Oh, thank you, yes. Which is always fantastic. Um, And then Megan Murphy, who's the amazing programs director at Face to Face, my favorite Megan. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Everyone's favorite Megan. Everyone's favorite (laughs) Megan. And then uh, Stephen Gitnelli, who is the vice president of the board for Face to Face. Uh, We just met tonight, and he is also the associate psych director for the Santa Rosa Community Health Center. So, Stephen, welcome. Thanks very much. Glad it's to great, be here. great to have you. So, you know, it's it's hard for me to believe that there's anybody out there listening who has not heard about the vineyard. And, and Gay Wine <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, but for those few people who may be listening who who don't know what Out in the Vineyard is, Gary, let's start with you. Tell us where did the idea come from to create Out in the Vineyard and then ah. Gay Wine Weekend. So let's go to the beginning. Uh, well, from, from the very beginning, well, you know, hard to believe it's going to be next year. It's going to be ten years actually since Mark and I started Out in the Vineyard when the whole idea was born. And really, in, in a nutshell, so I don't bore everybody with a really long story, it, it really came from Mark, the co-founder, Mark Vogler. Was he was working for Treasury Wine Estates at the time? I was working. Working at the Girl in the Fig. I was the general manager at the Girl in the Fig. And 
with Mark working at Treasury, he had he was getting calls from friends all the time asking him, like you know, oh, where, where should we go in wine country? Are there gay friendly winemaker wine wineries, gay, gay winemakers, and you know, so gay friendly restaurants or things to do. And I at that same time, I was seeing the I was seeing just being in the restaurant business this influx of LGBT tourism happening, and also. A huge portion. All of a sudden, I just felt like all more gays were buying homes up in Sonoma, and Mark and I were talking, and we were realizing that nobody was talking to this group at all. No one was talking to this market at all. And here, you know, forty-five minutes south of us is you know quote you know mecca to one of the meccas of the world. So we thought it was really interesting. And then Mark had an opportunity from Treasury Wine Estates to um, come up with an event for, at Behringer because of the last quarter of the fiscal and they were looking to like you know raise some more money you know for you know at that at the end of the the fiscal quarter um, fiscal quarter of the year and he was like okay let's throw a tea dance and they were like great we'll do that and then they said what's a tea dance and Mark was like, okay, we sort of went back to Gay 101, a little bit of history. And they were like, okay, we're willing to do this. And um, we literally, Mark, Mark then approached me about the, you want to do this with me and help out? So we, I helped out, and we literally had about, about literally three weeks to market the event. And we had three over 300 people showed up. Wow. And, you know, then right then and there after that event, we – we knew that we were maybe onto something, that this was something that we could turn into something and do more with. And that's, that's really, in a, in a nutshell, how Out in the Vineyard was, was born. Very cool. And so from a tea dance, it evolved into a weekend. Yes. Yeah. Well, the first, the first two years, no, three years, we just did the tea dance. And then, and each year after the first year, then the second and third year, people were actually saying a lot of things. Especially friends were like, "Hey, we're going to come up for the weekend, or we're going to come up on Saturday. We're going to stay over. Where should we stay? Where should we eat? Where should we go on Sunday? What should we do?" And that's when a light bulb sort of went on in on both our heads, and we were like, "Hmm, how about?" We turn it into Gay Wine Weekend, sort of make it a three-day event. And at that time, we also got invited to go to Gay Aspen Ski Week, which has been happening for like almost almost 40 years now, I think. And um, sort of, and we always dream that that's our goal is to be what Gay Aspen Ski Week is. They get they do 10 days, 5,000 people come into town over the course of that 10 days. Um, so we think we're still little and, you know, have the see the opportunity maybe for growth if we even grow gay wine weekend into maybe a gay wine week or you know add more days on that's maybe maybe down the down down the road maybe perhaps well and it would make total sense right i think the figure i read uh, most recently is 4.3 million people come through just the napa valley every year uh, oh my god yeah uh, i mean tourism in millions. sonoma county is is exploding as well and so it just Absolutely. makes sense mm-hmm. so it's three Three days. For so, th- th- three days. We start usually on a Friday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's, it's a whole it's a whole weekend, and really it's th- it's it's a celebration of food and wine and the and the lifestyle of wine country. We hope that everyone who comes when they when they leave that they have a feeling of like what it would be like to be living here in Sonoma. 
being being gay or straight, because they really learn while they're here how welcoming right. Sonoma is. I mean, once they come down Broadway and see every year the city council approves and hangs raises the rainbow flag over City Hall in Sonoma, that's a pretty incredible welcome and feeling that that gives to everybody who comes to town. Well, and you've had some people that have moved here because we, of Gay we, Wine Weekend. We have. We have. Ab- absolutely. We have. Even the president of the board, of the current, current president, Christopher Mayron of Face to Face, he and his fiance now literally... Um, because he was living in Santa Rosa, Aaron, his fiance, was living in, in um, Sacramento, Sacramento, and they, when the first time they came to Gay Wine Weekend, it was when they realized there was this whole community here, and they loved it so much that they ended up settling in in Sonoma. Mm-hmm. But yeah, oh, pe- people have some people have actually literally purchased homes in Sonoma who came for Gay Wine Weekend. Well, and that wasn't all the magic that happened with Chris. It wasn't just finding a home as a result of Gay Wine Weekend this year. Uh, Chris got engaged at the yeah. tea dance, right? Mm, yeah, it was really. I get tears. Oh my god, it was one of the. It was so beautiful, and um, to be at Chateau Saint Jean Winery that was hosting the tea dance this year, and you know, just have this beautiful sunset happening out in the vineyard, literally, and um, was just a really. A truly magical, beautiful moment, as any engagement, whether you're straight or gay, is. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were several people that were celebrating some aspect of their relationship. Mm-hmm. We met a couple that was there that had traveled to make Gay Wine Weekend their engagement event, and we yeah. met another couple mm-hmm. who were there on their honeymoon. So, Yeah, and there, there was a couple this cool. year that was actually there for their bachelor party. They came from somewhere back east. I can't remember right now, but from back east. And I, I helped them. We, we got them all on one wine tour together. But they were coming, about 12, 14 people, and they were doing their bachelor party. They're food and wine lovers. And when they saw, they read about Gay Wine Weekend. They thought this would be perfect. Bring all their friends together and do their bachelor, make it a bachelor party weekend in Sonoma during Gay Wine That's Weekend. Great. Well, so let's talk about this year. Again, for the people who don't know anything about it, who haven't been, we can just talk about this year as an example of the experience that someone might have and plan for next year. Because you, you talked about it's not just tasting wine. You've also married this event with a lot of local food and some pretty exclusive mm-hmm. uh, chef's table dinners right. at different places. So mm-hmm. let's Friday night. For Friday afternoon, people arrive. There's a reception. The mayor was right. there today or this time? Yes, yes, yes. We always bring – every year, you know, we, as I said earlier, you know, our city council really does support what we do. Um, and so they, they all, all our city council members, actually, mo- most of them every year always will attend the opening reception that happens Friday afternoon. Um, and after that reception, then there are winemaker dinners. And this year we actually had, I think, nine – winemaker dinners that happen throughout the valley and it really and the one thing we do with our winemaker dinners we keep them all sort of intimate they're they're basically 15 to 25 people was we we want the we want the guests to meet the winemaker we want them to talk with the winemaker get to know them because that's what we do you know when you live here in Sonoma, a lot of times we have, we have friends who are winemakers or who work for wineries and what do we do we have them over for dinner and they bring a case of wine you know, right. So we want we want everyone to sort of get that feeling that they're sort of there. They're it's an intimate dinner, and they're there with a winemaker and all their wine, and paired with some of the amazing chefs that we have here in wine country in some of the best wine country settings and or restaurants. Yeah. So which one stood out to you this year that was perhaps new or one that you went? 
just wow. This was really uh, special. You know, I will have to say that one that really I mean they all are in their own in their own way, but the one that really stood out to me this year we had um Fifth Street Farms, which is a private estate that's own, owned by the owners who own, you know, like Ramekins and General's Daughter and Cornerstone in Sonoma. And at their estate, they have this huge farm. And so their chef, Kyle Kukluski, is their private chef for Ram, executive chef for Ramekins and the entire company. So he paired his food with Steve McCrusty's wines. Mm. And it literally was a – it was – they had this beautiful table setting. It was a country farm setting in the middle of their of their farm, you know, where they grow all their tomatoes and zucchinis and everything. And, it, again, it was just such a beautiful evening. And this long, just wooden table with flowers picked from the garden. Um, and it really was a – it was a beautiful dinner. And that's what I mean by that. I think people really got – an amazing sense of sort of what we experienced living here at that dinner. Yeah. It was true to true a true farm to table dinner. Fantastic. So then Saturday there were a bunch of events people could sign up to. There were some tours and things that people there could go are, to. Talk about yeah, some of those. Yeah, Saturday we do so it's wine tours all day long. We have seven this year, I think we had seven wine tours that went out um, that people get to choose from beforehand. And again, just like I said with the dinners, we also keep those small. There are fifteen people on each wine tour and you know, it's paired with lunch and we have Sonoma Markets a sponsor and they do all the box lunches for everybody, pure luxury shuttles pick everything. Everybody up at the host hotel and whisk them away. And m- most of them are three wineries. Some are two, depending on the distance that they have to travel to get to. Um, but they really get to go to two or three different wineries and again experience, you know, what it's like to go wine tasting and have a lunch and spend a beautiful day out and about in the valley. And then they get back around usually between three three thirty in the afternoon, and because they have to get ready for the night's activity, the signature event of the weekend, which is the Twilight Tea, tea Dance, and right. that is, as I said, because that's we started with the Twilight Tea Dance, so we considered that the signature event of the weekend. Um, this is the second year in a row the Chateau Saint Jean hosted that event, and I think what makes that event different than any other sort of event that goes on is that we we literally lay a dance floor out in the vineyard. Yep. And, you know, with a disco ball, always have to have the disco <laughs> ball. I always say we to the rental company every year, no matter what, we need a disco ball. And you have to figure out how to put it up. I don't care how you do it, but we have to have a disco ball because that's one of our symbols. Yeah. <laughs> so they figure out every year how to... P- Get those poles up there and string a disco ball above the dance floor there. And um, and we bring in some great DJs. In fact, the, a list just came out last week that listed the top, like, 10 or 12, you know, DJs, LGBT DJs, you know, like, sort of across the country. And actually two of our DJs that we've had spinning were on that list. Pretty cool. So that was that was nice to to see that last yeah. year. The, the past two years, I had DJ Wayne from the UK was spinning. We've had DJ Corey Craig from New York has you know come in and spun for a couple of years also. So um, it it it's really again it's a. A magical evening. We have some amazing spaces here in wine country to have events, and Chateau St. Jean is definitely one of those spaces that can create just the magic's there. 
Yeah, well, I'm just thinking, it's, it, the night of that dance was very much like a night tonight. It was blazing hot, but yeah. it was also... It was a hot day. It was gorgeous. It was just gorgeous. So just you know, close yeah, your eyes it, for a second and imagine being out on a large field overlooking a great vineyard in uh, Sonoma Valley. With and, the rolling hills you know, behind that. I mean, it was just and magical. And wine flowing all around you. And then and wine flowing around, a sunset, the orange glowing sunset that night. Yeah. La- last year, it was a full moon. I remember looking up yep. and just I was like, oh my god, there's a full moon above us, and it was like, oh my god, you know, just amazing. I mean, every year there's something else that, and we want it always to be something else that makes it different, a little bit more magical than the year before, and sort of we're fortunate to live in an area where. We have sort of the magics here, right? You know, we get to experience all the time. So I love that we get to share that with our guests who are coming from all over the country and sometimes all over the world to, you know, to experience Gay Wine Weekend. And we get give them that magic that, you know, that we get to live all the time. Yep. No, it's it's you've said it very well. And then Sunday morning, when people are recovering from drinking all day Saturday, literally recovering, dancing and drinking Saturday night, you you do a recovery brunch that you do as a uh, fundraiser for Face to Face. Absolutely, we do. So we have a recovery brunch and wine auction that we do every year. And and really, you know, the way that part of the whole idea for the auction began was literally we're going back ten years ago, um, Rick. Rick Dean, the executive director of Face to Face, you know, had a meeting with Mark and I, and we were sitting at that meeting, and he was looking for. It was funny. We were just starting out in the vineyard, and Rick wanted to get together, and we knew that we wanted a charity component. We wanted something, and we we actually talked about Face to Face, of course, because we had known Face to Face for many being the amazing service that they provide for over 35 years now in Sonoma County. But um, Rick wanted to get together with us sort of to talk about ways to reach further into Sonoma County and reach further into the market of where we live in Sonoma. And we were so it was sort of funny because at the same time we were like, oh, well, we want to talk to you. We have this idea. We have this concept for this event. And we'd like face-to-face to be the beneficiary for it. So it really was uh, sort of, I think, meant to be because Rick, Rick, we had it in our minds and Rick had it in his mind. So um, it's, it's been a great collaboration over the course of the 10 years to be able to have this um, brunt, the brunch and wine auction where 100% of everything that we raise from the auction goes to face-to-face. And uh, this year was amazing. We raised double, double the amount that we've ever raised before. And I think because a lot of different components of why that, that really happened. Well, well, let's not keep people waiting. How much was raised this year? This year was, the total was $48,000. $48,000 during a brunch. When people were recovering, they weren't even in, right. intoxicated, right? <laughs> right. Well, we, we needed to, you know, one thing about an auction, it's always good to have alcohol being served yes. just to get people, you know, as we, you know lubricated, <laughs> yes. you know, where they feel a little bit freer, you know, a little bit more open to suggestions <laughs> and everything like that. And we work with a great, great auctioneer. He is he is second to none. Uh, Michael Tate, who Michael is Tate. a member of the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, who actually I discovered Michael at Face to Face's um, 
uh, Christmas Event, uh, yep. celebration that concert that they do up here every year and you know michael was this is when we, again we were first starting out and i was at that concert and michael did the auction and i was like wow he is amazing he remembers everybody's names he's got the humor he gets people to into bidding wars he knows how to work a crowd for to make them f- to, for laugh and sincerity at the same time and um I so I reached out to him after that first year and he said yes and Michael comes up every year to do the auction and does an amazing job. He blows me away every single year. Yeah, he was he was really good. And you had some pretty amazing packages too that people were bidding on and and so that $48,000 came from largely people from all over the US. Mm-hmm, yeah. It didn't just come from here in Sonoma County. No, I think no. that speaks both to uh, your organization, Gary, out in the vineyard, but also to the story of face to face. Exactly. Well, I think that uh, I think that even even though you know people from out of state who come to Gay Wine Weekend and they come to the wine auction, it, it's still all about it's all about community. And you know, I think we are as most minority groups are. We are community oriented, no matter where we live, no matter what we care about, what's happening in communities. And for people, even if they don't live in this state and they may never use the services that face to face has to offer, because they live in Florida or Chicago or New York, it's still it's still supporting. The community, the lar- they're looking at the larger picture. Right. It's still supporting community in a very vital way. There's a, con- there's still a strong in- connection. It's still integral to, to you know who we are. You had a special guest this year as well, uh, keynote speaker. But a guest he was here for the for the weekend, Jim Obergefell. Yes, we did. We it was it was great. Jim is well, as you know, part of our. Part of history now, uh, as I call him, an accidental activist. Mark and I have had the opportunity to become friends with Jim now. And, um, you know, literally is that he's an accidental activist. But, um, you know, sometimes, you know, people are led, you led down, doors open up and you led down different paths. And Jim was led down, Jim was led down this path, mm-hmm. you know, with, you know, um, having marriage equality. His name is synonymous now with marriage equality and always will be. Um, in our country, and having him there really resonated with everybody. I mean, I was amazed. I was tearing up when we announced him, and the standing ovation in the room was like a two-minute. You were there. It was yep. like a two-minute yeah, standing was. ovation yeah. for him because everyone recognized who this person is, and he has a place in our history now. Yeah. Yep. Well, he's such a soulful guy when he speaks. Uh, so sincere. We've had him on the he show is. here, and. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe. Yeah. Know, no, both, he both is. what he did and, and just him as a person. Um, and then you all hosted an event with him out at the river. We did. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, that yeah. was really fun. Did a Q&A. That was my first time meeting Jim. I think it was in April. It was um, at Big Bottom Market in Guerneville. And uh, the owner reached out to us to ask if we would host and be part of a Q&A with Jim. And so uh, that happened in April. And that was the first meeting. And it was really it was a beautiful it was a beautiful evening, and it was really great to get to know Jim. And you know, you'll be the first to know. Also, now we actually are partnering with Jim and his wine, Equality Vines, um, and we're going to do a cruise on Oceana Cruise Lines in September of 2018. So we'll be we'll be putting out that out there, sort of in the next month or so. We're just for, finalizing all the details, and hopefully do sort of a wine cruise 
on this on this cruise line. It's going to be into the Mediterranean, so lots of different wine regions. So we can sort of tie in the wine component and and have Jim and his wines there on the ship also. And you know, with it's going to be a really great collaboration. Yeah. Very excited about it. Yeah, it's it's really neat. And I think you probably hooked him because. Uh, He's working right now on trying to get a tasting room opened up in Guerneville, and we're hoping to visit yes. that for our, our it's supposed September to be happening show. very, very soon. Yeah. Having some of these permits, 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 but it's supposed to happen sometime in the next couple Come of on, weeks. Sonoma County, let's help this guy get his tasting room off the ground in Guerneville. Yes, please. All right. <laughs> well, Megan, let's shift over to you and to Stephen. Uh, so a $48,000 check arrives. It's amazing. What do you think? <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. You know, for us as a nonprofit, we get some grant money and some contract money to support our work, but it all comes with so many strings, and so little of it can be spent on the real basic needs of keeping the doors open, the lights on, let alone being able to start programs. Mm-hmm. And for us, you know, we're dedicated to our mission of ending HIV. We're dedicated to supporting people who are living with HIV. So taking on new projects like HIV testing, syringe exchange, we can't start those with a grant or contract. We can't wait. Mm -hmm. We need to start those things soon. And so when a check like this comes in, it is amazing what it does for our organization. It keeps us alive Mm -hmm. and it allows us to do the work because unfortunately there's not public funding or grant funding sufficient enough to cover what we need to do. Well, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but the threats with the you know, the repeal of the Affordable Care Act uh, and, you know, just this obvious threat that really any attention towards HIV from the feds is going to go away. It's all going to be local funds that are going to keep this going, right? Absolutely. And one of the scariest things is that the threats are so widespread that there's concerns about the health care funds, but there's also concerns about HUD funds. A lot of the finances we get are through housing and urban development to help people living with HIV have stable housing mm-hmm. so that they can turn their attention to their health care. Other funding we get is for prevention. And the challenge that we're facing now is that none of the funding feels completely secure. And so being able to look to our community and have folks put so much time and effort into raising such a huge amount of money for us is amazing. You know, it gives Mm -hmm. us the finances we need to survive, but also the hope, you know, and that feeling that we're in this together and that we have other people working on our behalf to help make it happen. I I guess one of the things that that just sort of exhausting to think about is it just seemed like we were maybe getting ahead on slowing down or even stopping the transmission of HIV through amazing programs like PrEP and the needle exchange and to see funding at the federal level being threatened that could really impair those efforts and then maybe turn the tide back where we're going to start seeing an increase in new infections. It's scary. But one of the programs that I know we've talked about that's pretty new for face-to-face is the needle exchange. So tell our listeners about how, how that works. Yeah, needle exchange is one of the programs supported by the National HIV AIDS Strategy. It's one of the things that we know works And so what it is, is it's looking at how do we help people who are using needles to inject drugs not pass HIV. And what we know is that when people have access to clean needles, they won't share their needles. That people want a new needle, it's safer, it's easier, it's healthier. And so what Needle Exchange does is it says to our community of folks who are actively using, if you come in, bring us your used needles, we'll give you ones that are clean. 
give you brand new needles, use those, and then bring them back. And so what we do is we work with our folks who are using drugs IV to teach them how to keep themselves safe from passing HIV. So while they're in, we're not just talking about their needle use, but we're also talking about PrEP. We're also talking about sexual behaviors because a lot of folks, when they're using, also make different choices about who they're with sexually. And so it's a way of trying to help people have opportunities to stay healthy. What we know also is that syringe exchange programs engage a community that isn't usually engaged. And so then when folks are interested in going into treatment or stopping using at all, we can work with them on what resources are in our community to help them move towards um, less use or not using needles to keep themselves safer moving forward. So... I guess one of the questions is maybe people in Santa Rosa think, well, really, do we have that many people that are using drugs intravenously? Can you give us a sense about how many needles are cycling through or being exchanged? A guess? What I can tell you is that we have a 55-gallon trash can that we fill up every single week with used needles. Oh, my goodness. Wow. When of 55 we, gallons? Yeah. Wow. When we first started our needle exchange program, they would come and pick up that bin once a month. Then it went to once every two months. Now we're once a week. And last week I had to call and ask them to bring an additional bin because I had two bins worth to send to them. Wow. Part of this wow. is that we're now sending out um, big biohazard containers with some of our clients who live in areas where there are a number of people living. Some are in homeless encampments. Others are in homes where people will go and use there. So they'll collect a large bin from several people and bring that in for us. The diversity of people that we see come in through our doors is staggering. Some of them are people that appear as though one would sort of expect. You know, they kind of look like somebody who's having a hard time, probably homeless and disheveled. Others come in clean they're on a work break and you know they'll talk about picking up needles and and i'll be shocked you know it's a diverse group of folks in our community so wow it it is it's can be anybody it really can can be anybody and right now what we're seeing too is that more people are starting to come in for syringe exchange who would have just shared needles but are now coming in because they also need um, naloxone, which is an overdose prevention for people who are experiencing a heroin overdose. So that's been a way to also encourage more people to come in because we have a tremendous number of people in Sonoma County who are dying of overdoses. An article that our Department of Public Health put out um, early this summer had an average of one person every eight days they reported. So this opioid crisis that we've been hearing about is not just a problem in the South. Absolutely not. It's, it's right here. And, you know, one of the things that strikes me is, is I think about 55-gallon drums full of syringes. Every one of those syringes is really an opportunity for HIV to be spread. Yes. That is being perhaps prevented, hopefully, by, by this exchange program. So it's, it's hugely important. Is Face-to-Face the only organization where people can go anonymously in the county? For a needle exchange? Yes. No, there's actually three organizations, which is wonderful. We're providing needle exchange um, Tuesdays through Friday during our business hours. There's another organization, Centerpoint DAC. They provide needle exchange Monday afternoons and Friday evenings. And then out at West County Health Centers, they have a homeless clinic that's providing needle exchange in Guerneville. 
So between the three programs, we're looking at trying to cover as many days as well as providing an evening and then some different areas in town. Wow. So that's potentially three 55-gallon drums right. a week mm-hmm. of needles yeah. coming out of this county. Yeah. Wow. So as you think about then, you know, this $48,000 that was raised, you know, how much does each needle cost? Well, the beautiful thing is that last year, California started a syringe exchange clearinghouse. So nearly all the supplies that we need for needle exchange from the actual syringes to tourniquets, alcohol swabs, band-aids, all of that comes to us free now from the state of California. And they're even paying our biohazard which is a tremendous cost. So our expense as an organization is how do we keep the lights on, the doors open, and make sure there are staff there to provide that service. Yeah, because you can't just put them in a vending machine, right? It doesn't work that well, no. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where the challenge is. You know, we've... We've got some grant money to support, like, our HIV testing, and we encourage our folks who are in for exchange to also test for HIV. But that only does so good if they have a room to test in and chairs to sit in and lights on in the building. And that's where this grant money helps right. us stay alive and fills those basic needs that we have. Right. And and I know that you did some training with Santa Rosa PD. I did. On, on needle exchange, which maybe flies in the face of what some people would think about with law enforcement. What was the reception like? You know, at our heart, we have the exact same goal. You know, our our police department is this amazing group of men and women who want our public to be safe. And we're out here providing needle exchange, wanting our public to be safe. Now, clearly, there's some challenges for them around what does this mean to have needles and be putting needles in our community. And what I felt was really important was for them to also know that we're working on getting those needles back out of our community, that we're a resource for the police department to support mm-hmm. them if they ever come across areas where there are needles that need to be um, picked up, and to be able to provide them some information about what the research is showing around needle exchange programs leading towards um, a higher chance of reduced substance use. And there's you know some folks that can see it and are nodding along, and others who aren't sure that it it's where they fit. And the reality is, is that's really indicative of our community also. Mm-hmm. And we all have different opinions about kind of what's the best way to help. But I was really impressed that they were there and open to what I brought and interested and also challenged me and said, you know, I want to see this research for myself. And I was able to provide that for them and to just keep that dialogue going. The reality is, is there's other interesting challenges ahead of us where a lot of communities are starting to look at safe injection facilities. And for me, I felt like for our police officers to have an opportunity to know that that's something that's being talked about throughout the state of California and to start looking at what might that look like. Right. And and this balance of is it encouraging substance use or is it getting substance use off of our streets and into somewhere that's safe and, and private? You know, and that is this struggle that yeah. we can't quite rectify. And hoping to stop the spread of HIV at the same time. And the stop of hepatitis C. And also the emergency room trips. The other reality is, is as people are reusing needles, there's more chances for more health problems. Mm, You know, not just HIV and hep C, but abscesses and problems with veins. And then people end up in our emergency rooms that wouldn't need to be. Right. Well, let's talk about PrEP and Truvada because that's another major effort, another preventative effort um, that Face to Face is involved in. And 
Um, Steve or Megan, jump in on this one. Where are we with that? Um, are there a lot of people that are seeking the services and access to Truvada? And what are the threats with the repeal of the Affordable Care Act? Yeah, you know, we are seeing actually uh, quite a few people come in and requesting more information on PrEP. Um, and it's, for us on the health center side, very exciting because, um, you know, PrEP is one one method of preventing HIV, but so are other methods of, of treating other STIs. Um, you know, chlamydia, syphilis, all those other things facilitate, if present, the transmission of HIV. And so if someone comes in and asks about PrEP, then we can also treat those other STIs and help reduce the emission, uh, transmission of HIV. Um, on the insurance side with the Affordable Care Act specifically, the, the big threat generally is reduced insurance for people, just lack of coverage, more people becoming uninsured. Um, you know, when we talk about um, Medicaid, for example, in California, one in three residents of California um, has Medicaid as their health insurance. And this year alone, 1.5 million people bought their coverage through Covered California on the exchanges. Mm. And as that relates to PrEP, Medicaid covers PrEP. And not the bronze plan uh, for your listeners out there, but your, um, mm. your, your silver and gold plans actually do cover PrEP on the Covered California exchanges. So um, in addition to all of the great preventative healthcare services that you would get by being insured, um, you, we could potentially lose those services as well. And it's, it's hard to tell uh, at this point whether those services would continue to be offered. So what is a prescription for Travada run a year ballpark? Any mm-hmm. ideas? Ballpark. Um, probably about $10,000. $10,000. Yeah. And and from the insurance company standpoint, um, prep is actually cheap if you think about it in context of the of the long game. Which is to say that you know if someone goes on prep and they are on prep for three, four, or five years, that's far more affordable than paying for a lifetime of HIV treatment. Um, and actually, the HIV treatments are so good these days that someone can can be on treatment for 50, 60, 70 years, and they can live long, happy, healthy lives. So that it's a short term investment for them. But it's a long-term payoff, especially if we can get to ending HIV. So what's your sense? Um, are, we, are we winning the <laughs> battle? Are we realizing the goal in Sonoma County through programs like Needle Exchange and making Truvada prep accessible to people? Are we seeing a decrease in new infections? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, the last few years we have um, reports that our Department of, of Health put out here in Sonoma County, and we've been seeing a uh, continuous decrease in the number of new infections here from the mid-40s down to what seems to be maybe the mid-20s. Um, and they're not staggering numbers to begin with, but it's great. We're moving towards, we're moving towards zero. And it's a combination of expanded health coverage for people. Um, the Affordable Care Act. It's a combination of the services that face-to-face provides in terms of needle exchange, um, the prevention services that we have through the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the funding that we get to do testing for hepatitis C and for HIV, um, and all of the wraparound services that um, the Ryan White grants provide that we're able to provide as, as, as the health centers. So uh, an interesting um, benefit, actually, of the Affordable Care Act for people living with HIV is that People have become insured, which is what you traditionally think of, but the Ryan White money then has become more available for supportive services. So in the past few years, we at the health centers have been able to partner with face-to-face to do some housing programming work. Um, and if the Affordable Care Act is repealed, then, um, then, then those services are, are very likely to go away. 
Um, Can I add on yeah, to that please. a little bit also? One of the other wonderful things that we learned recently was that Sonoma County is one of the leaders in our state in the percentage of people who are virally suppressed. So when we look at the work that our HIV specialty programs are doing in Sonoma County, they're tremendously successful at helping people who know they have HIV stay engaged in medical care and adherent to medications to a point where the virus is so well controlled that we'll call it virally suppressed or undetectable. When a person living with HIV is undetectable, it is nearly impossible for them to pass HIV on to another person. There's a very low risk. A new study just came out reconfirming that which we knew. And so with this specialty medical care, along with the prevention efforts we have, when we look at keeping the folks living with HIV virally suppressed, those two things coming together are really what's going to keep our community safe and is going to help us get to ending HIV here in Sonoma County. So, so the reality is we could be at zero infections, zero new infections, if we just keep this up a little bit longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we keep it going. But that meter could sure swing back the other way pretty quickly if people don't have access to housing, don't have access to needle exchange programs, and can't afford either their existing treatment or things like PrEP. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the key thing is that people need to be able to take their medicines and they need to be able to do that in an uninterrupted way. So it's not just about having access, but it's about having continued access. So if I'm on a medicine and I stop taking it for a few days and then I get back on it and then I stop taking it for a few days and I lose my coverage and I have to switch pharmacies and I have to do this, the virus that I have then could become uh, uh, resistant to the drugs that I'm taking, right? And so if that's the, if that's the outcome then, then we end up in this place where we actually then can't treat the, the virus with the medicines that we have, and the medicines are highly effective. So we also want to keep people on the medicines on a continued basis, and they need to be insured for that. Right. Um, and we need teams of people to be able to reach out to folks when their insurances are lapping and to be proactive about that so that people stay on their medicines so that they're um, not transmitting the virus to mm-hmm. others. Another obvious major major, major function uh, that face-to-face provides is testing. And that's been the long-time message, and you'll hear it at the end of the show tonight. You need to go and get tested. Uh, So for people who maybe aren't up to speed with the current test, talk about the rapid response test and how easy it is. It is so easy. The test that we have at Face to Face is um, a brand called Oraquick. People can come on in. We do drop-in testing. They can test anonymously or confidentially. So anonymous is not even giving us their name. The test doesn't even require a blood draw. It's just an oral swab in their mouth. Then they sit with us for 20 minutes while we wait for the test to do its magic. We have a chance during that time to answer any questions somebody has about HIV or how to keep themselves safe or PrEP or where to get PrEP. And then we'll give them their results uh, before they leave. So they don't have to worry about coming back again. They don't have to worry about blood draw or they're uncomfortable with needles. It's really easy. It's painless. So they get some education in the 20 minutes. You could certainly do that on a lunch break pretty easily. And how much does the test cost? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You just go in. Absolutely nothing. You just go in. You get to sit down maybe with Megan. It's possible. (laughs) Ask for me. If I'm there, I'll do the test myself. And then you walk out with a peace of mind. Yeah. And we also have rapid hepatitis C tests. So somebody could test for HIV and hep C at the same time, get both those results in 20 minutes. Yeah, because hep C is becoming quite a problem, too. 
Absolutely. And there's a number of folks that haven't ever thought of themselves as at risk, but are. One example is that all baby boomers are encouraged to test for hepatitis C at some point in their lives if they haven't tested to come in and do that now. And that's a group of folks who wouldn't think of themselves as being mm-hmm. at risk. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the other good news on, on hepatitis C is that there's a cure. And the cures are really effective right now. And so the one of the really great reasons to go get tested for hepatitis C is if you have it, it's actually very – the, the uh, treatments are 90, 95, 98% effective. Um, and so it's actually something that you can do something about, whereas before you might have to wait 20 – 20 years or something before you could qualify for a treatment, and, and that treatment would be very tough to tolerate. So the, the times for hepatitis C are, are really exciting. Um, and I do want to add one other thing on, on healthcare briefly, which is that um, nothing's changed yet. And I, and I really want to make sure that people hear that, because yeah. there are a lot of threats and there's a lot of uncertainty out there, but nothing's changed yet. And so um, you know, I think one of the things that people can do is contact their elect, elected officials and really talk about how this is important to them. Healthcare is important to them. Their health insurance coverage is important to them. Um, and make that message loud and clear, because they're, they're the ones out there on your behalf um, speaking that message. And we have some very committed people in our area, um, but they need that support and they need that rallying cry behind them. So... Call, email, meet with your rep, um, and yeah. make that whether, message loud and clear. Whether you're HIV positive, Hep C positive or not, you have an interest in this. Uh, if you're a member of our community and you're active, you have an interest. It's a, it's it's a it's a critical health issue. So yes, I echo that. Call, right. Uh, Art for Life's coming up, which is another big fundraiser for Face to Face. Tell us about that next month on the 16th of September. Yeah, I can't wait. This is our 30th year. And Art for Life has been one of our biggest fundraisers um, over the last three decades. The art community comes together and has been phenomenally generous. We'll have about 200 pieces of art. You can see them on our website. There's a whole gallery up that links to each artist's um, personal website, if they have one, and shows the piece that's going to be at the auction. It's a beautiful afternoon. There's Mm -hmm. art, there's food, there's wine. It's a great crowd, and folks have a chance to bid on this beautiful art and help support our organization. Where can they get tickets? Online, www.f2f.org. You'll see a link there to Art for Life. You can buy tickets. You can see the gallery. There's still sponsorship available. Great. And if you missed that website, we'll have it on our own website at outbeatnews.com. Just click on show notes, and it will be right there. So no excuses. None be at great. all. It'll be great to see you there. Tony and I will be there for sure. Gary, you've got an event coming up uh, that you've been working with uh, in Sonoma as part of a speaker series with yeah. Cleve Jones. Talk about yeah. that. Yeah, very, very exciting. And it actually, the, the Sonoma speaker series was recently started about a, I'm going to say it's a year and a half, maybe going on two years ago now. It's sort of like a, a version of TED Talks going on in Sonoma. And the founder of that um, came to me about, well, about, two, three weeks ago now, however long it was, and says that she has invited Cleve Jones to come up and be part of the speaker series. And um, what I helped promote it, get the word out there. I'm like, oh, of course. I mean, that's like, I, it, how, how could you not? I mean, I think it's th- th- thrilling to have someone who is such a part, play, has played such a huge part of, um, you know, our LGBTQ history here in you know in our country and actually for all over the world but you know cleve jones started the san francisco aids foundation and is the man behind the aids quilt which is one of the most moving 
experiences of my life that I got to bear witness to at, at you know, at the Washington Memorial back in what whatever year that was in the early 90s when they laid out the entire quilt there. But, you know, that quilt is he's the brainchild behind the AIDS Quilt Project. Um, you know, he wrote the book When We Rise, which was made into a miniseries that aired, um, what, six months ago on yeah, TV. Back in February. And, um, you know, so it's going to be exciting. And that's coming up. It's going to be at the Hannah Boys Center on Monday, October 2nd at 7 o'clock. And um, it's also part of the portion of the proceeds that are raised from that event are going to support um, the services that for the LGBTQ senior program services at the Vintage House in Sonoma as well. So awesome. it's also giving back to the community. And it's going to be really exciting to have Cleve Jones um, here. And you can get tickets for that event at, um, what is it, Sonoma SonomaSpeakerSeries.com. And again, we'll put that same link on our website, too, at OutbeatNews.com. And hope to see you there. We've got, no, oh, I don't know, a minute or so left. Megan, where can people go to learn more about Face to Face? They can come on by our office. That would be the ideal thing, That would right? be ideal. Come on in. <laughs> see us. Test- and get tested. They can get tested. They can talk to our staff, learn more about what we do. We're in downtown Santa Rosa. They can also learn a lot on our website, which, again, is wwwf 2 F.org. F.org. Perfect. Perfect. Stephen, how about you? Where can people go to learn more about the Santa Rosa Community Health Center? Yeah, we are on the web at srhealth.org, and um, we are providing care to people who don't have access to insurance coverage or or they're on one of those covered California plans. So um, all this Affordable Care Act stuff is right in our wheelhouse, and um, we love doing it. So come down and see us, and we'll take good care of you. Awesome. And, of course, next year for Gay Wine Weekend, but, but for all the upcoming events that Out in the Vineyard has, Gary, where can people go to learn about that? At, on our website as well, outinthevineyard.com. Easy. And, easy, easy. And where can people go to listen to your show? And thir- oh, Thank you. Thir- Thursday nights, every Thursday night from 8 to 9 on KSVY, which is 91.3 FM. Or you can, because it is a local radio station, but it is streamed worldwide on the web at ksvy.org perfect how fortunate are we in sonoma county to have two lgbt radio shows it's pretty it's pretty yeah it's pretty amazing i mean when you think of i as i was telling you before the show started out on the way here i was thinking about how we have all this amazing stuff going on for our lgbt community just between you know art for life is coming up there's the lgbtq summit at, at uh, sonoma state university also and yeah. On the 16th of the month, um, you know, Cleve Jones is coming up to Sonoma on October 2nd. I mean, it's it is really um, it's it's great that we have a thriving community here that is caring. I think you know it's a caring and giving community, and it's it's beautiful. I'm glad awesome. to be part of the community up awesome. here in that manner. Well, Megan, Gary, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been great talking with you. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Likewise, thanks. And we'll be back right after this. Did you know that there are more than 2,000 people living with HIV and AIDS in Sonoma County? 500 of them don't know they have it, so neither do their partners. HIV is a treatable condition, but it's important to find out early if you have the virus. Knowing your HIV status can be life-saving for you and those you love. There's an easy way to find out your status. Face-to-Face offers free, anonymous HIV testing with results in just 20 minutes. Visit the Face-to-Face office at 873 2nd Street in Santa Rosa. No appointment is needed. 
For more information, call 544-1581 or visit f2f.org. We want you to know your status. Face-to-face, ending AIDS in Sonoma County, 20 minutes at a time. And that brings us to the end of our hour. My thanks tonight to Megan Murphy and Gary Saperstein for spending time with us. But before we go, I have a few thoughts to share about the neo-Nazi and white nationalist events that have been happening around our country. As a member of the LGBTQ plus community, we really can't sit back idly and just watch these groups rise. Let's never forget that during the Holocaust in Germany, 100,000 gay people were sent to concentration camps and 15,000 were murdered by Nazis in these camps. The beliefs held by the Nazis during the Holocaust are really no different than the neo-Nazis hold today. Our president doesn't have the clarity of mind to speak out directly or the courage to condemn their violence, but we can't wait for his lead. Our continued silence signals indifference, and we can't afford to let these groups rise any further. Hate groups threaten everything our country and our culture stands for. Use your voice. Speak out against this violence and hateful ideology. Neo-Nazis, white nationalists, and other hate groups have no place in the United States. Tune in next Sunday night for Outbeat Radio's Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB FM Radio 91. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. Podcasts of our shows are available for on-demand play from iTunes, Google Music, and TuneIn. Get links and sign up for email notifications when new shows become available on our website at OutbeatNews.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates from Outbeat Radio News all week long. Sebastopol Farmers Market presents its annual Heirloom Tomato Festival on Sunday, September 3rd from 10 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. in Sebastopol Plaza. In addition to a rainbow of local heirloom tomatoes, there will be an appearance by Michelle Anna Jordan, author of The Good Cook's Book of Tomatoes, as well as music by Down the Road Ramblers and a petting zoo for kids. On air, online, or on the go, you're listening to Radio 91, 91.1 KRCB-FM Windsor, and 90.9 K215CQ Santa Rosa. It's just before 9 p.m. Stay with us. Open Space District is next.